the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Good morning, Jake. How are you? I'm good, Hugh. You're, I didn't realize you're in California today. I feel I feel horrible for your uh, your wake up time. No, I'm here December and I usually teach at Chapman Law the first quarter, I that, yeah. uh, and so I I'm taking the quarter off. But I I'm going to stay out here till I get back today because my doctors are out here. So it's it's fun. I don't mind doing three to six in the morning. Hey, Jake, um, you came up with the phrase Collins and Company. Now I'm a big fan of Susan <laughs> Collins. I like that. Uh, would you give our our audience a rundown of what's going on and your assessment of Collins and Company, which sounds like a morning show, their chance of pulling this off? Well, listen, Hugh, I, a few things. So yesterday morning, we got the email. We got word that Susan Collins and nine other Republicans, including Mitt Romney, Tom Tillis, um, Lisa Murkowski, were proposing a scaled back COVID relief package, scaled back in terms of its you know relative size to the Biden plan, which is $2 trillion. This is roughly $600 billion. So they sent this letter to the White House, and I got a lot of flack from the left saying I shouldn't cover this. Did I ever cover anything like this when Democrats were in the minority? The answer is obviously yes. Um, And people told me how stupid I was and how stupid Susan Collins was and all the Republicans who were with her. And almost immediately, uh, you know, within less than 24 hours, Joe Biden invited him to the White House. Now, let me just ask you, Hugh, for a second, and we say this in Punchbowl News this morning. Imagine if you were um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You're getting – the president is meeting with Susan Collins before he meets with her, um, which is really something really something interesting. And before he meets with Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, anyone like that, what are the chances? Relative, very low. Um, I think. But Joe imagine, Biden, Jake, if you're a normal American – who wants Agreed. the government to do what it wants to do. And you see that Joe Biden, a creature of the Senate for 38 years, gets a call from his old friend, Susan Collins, with whom he has spent hundreds of hours on the floor chatting about things. And their states are fairly close, Maine and Delaware. And she says, we ought to get together, uh, Mr. President. And she sa- he says, Susan, call me Joe, but let's get together. And they're going to talk. And I, I mean, isn't that the most normal thing? Wouldn't normal Americans totally say, normal. good but idea. <laughs> Go ahead. We're not in a normal time, Hugh. We're not in a normal time. And I think, listen, I think what Democrats don't realize in, in, in some is Joe Manchin is much closer to Susan Collins than he is to Bernie Sanders. And any bill that needs to get passed needs to have Joe Manchin support. I don't care what people think about Joe Manchin or their distaste for him or whatever. Like this, you only have 50 votes in the Senate. So you need to you need to have a product that bridges Joe Manchin with with. Bernie Sanders. And if you don't, you're not going to get anything passed. And do you remember that Joe Biden was around when President Obama turned to Eric Cantor and said, I won, you lost. And that set off uh, eight years of partisan confrontation. If Joe Biden turns to Susan Collins and says, let's do a deal that gives him. I mean, politically, it's dangerous for Republicans if he takes the center. It's very dangerous if he takes the center. And that's what he's got to be thinking, right? 
Yeah, I think he's got to be thinking that, and I think he also just needs to be thinking, listen, it's relatively low risk because it's mostly theater if it doesn't work, and it, it doesn't mean that Democrats aren't going to go ahead with with um, uh, uh, reconciliation, which only requires 51 votes in the Senate. But, you know, so I think it's kind of it's relatively low risk. And I think it's it's a smart move on his behalf, although it's going to infuriate, infuriate the left. If they go with reconciliation, every Democrat has a veto. Every Democrat gets whatever they want in that bill. They'll, They'll all it'll be the porkiest porky pie that has ever come out of the Senate. I think that's right, of course. And and um to be honest with you, I, you know, there it doesn't you know, I think Democrats are misjudging this a little bit. It's not going to be as quick as they hope. It's not going to be as easy as they hope. It's going to take months. It's, we're in February. So they need to do it this month and next month. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But I just don't think the Democrats have wrapped their heads around that, too. And by the way, you talk about veto power in the Senate. How about in the House of Representatives, where Nancy Pelosi only has a four or five seat margin to get something through her chamber? So, and, have and have the they way, certified I, the New York and the Iowa seats yet, Jake? Uh, Iowa, they have. I don't think they have New York. But And remember, forget those two. You're going to have Marsha Fudge resigning. You had Cedric Richmond resign. Um, you're going to have, I don't know where Deb Holland, who's going to be Interior Secretary, or who's con- nominated to be Interior Secretary, I don't know where that seat stands. So I don't, you know, this is a... I, I, I hate to say it, but this is very, very difficult for Democrats. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they've recognized yeah, I, that yet. I've been told I'm stupid a million times, but the numbers are the numbers. No, you're not. I think it's going to be two nineteen to two twelve uh, for at least three months during this reconciliation, which means they can lose three Democrats. Which means AOC, <laughs> Rashida Tlaib, and Ilhan Omar have, or whatever three Democrats that want it, they have veto power as well. As do the three most normal or conservative Democrats, whoever they might be, the three in the center. So Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema and Chris Coons in the Senate, everybody gets a veto. The bill will be 5,000 pages long. Yeah, it's just it, it, it becomes it becomes quite difficult when you are a um, when when you have high hopes and low numbers. You know, that's, that's kind of the only thing I can think about. Is so Hugh Hewitt's. High hopes and low numbers. Hugh Hewitt's view is that they walk in there and they give uh, the Defense Department a top line that is 10 percent higher than normal. They build ships in Maine and Mississippi and in uh, uh, Virginia, and they bring along uh, a bunch of Republicans who are defense hawks like Mike Gallagher and uh, Rob, the guy down in uh, Virginia, and a bunch of others. Mike Waltz, my son works for Mike Waltz now, so I have to declare my conflict there. And they bring on the, the defense-minded Republican congressman. They bring on Susan Collins and the defense Republicans in the Senate, and they have a deal. Yeah, that could be possible. But listen, I just think I think we're a long way from there, and I think that this meeting is kind of the real kickoff of whatever this process is and we're losing a day today because it's a snow day and the house and senate are out although there's barely any snow on the ground um so you know it's just every day counts every vote counts every move that any party make counts now jake i got a question as a new startup punchbowlnews.com everyone needs to subscribe to it everyone needs to get it and i know you're thinly staffed but we're going to have a recall in california it's going to be fascinating because it's first past the post with an unlimited number of candidates. I, I may come out here and run. I may re-register and just come out here and run for the fun of it. Uh, but uh, Kevin Falconer, former mayor of San Diego, and John Cox, who lost last time, says he's going to get in. I hope he doesn't. Rick Grinnell's going to get in. 
Uh, we got billionaires running. We'll probably have Ariana Huffington. Are you going to try and cover? Because it's one of the wildest roller derbies in politics. I think we'll try to cover to the extent that people in D.C. have a a role in it. Unfortunately, since we're only three reporters, we don't have much. We don't have much leeway. I'm curious to see what Kevin McCarthy does. Does he put a bunch of money into? You know, he has a good relationship with Gavin Newsom, although it's a bit competitive in the sense of you know, locker room competitive, like, you know, the the governor of California and probably the future speaker of the House. But I do think that uh, I'm curious whether he gets involved. And frankly, whether, remember, Daryl Issa, as you know quite well, got involved in the last big recount. Does he put a bunch of money in to get rid of Newsom? So those are the kinds of things that we'll be focusing on because our focus at the moment is D.C. because of just how small we are. How has the launch gone? I want to remind everyone to to subscribe at punchbowlnews.com. Is it are you ahead of your mark? Are you ahead of goal? We're we have we beat our first year goal in the first ten days. <laughs> so, yes, we we've done really well. And I, I'll tell you, Hugh, for all the partisanship in news and in, in media, there are people who still just want to understand what people do and how they do it from reporters who understand the process and who have been reporting fairly on the process for a long time. Although you and I might disagree on our outlook of certain situations, you know, I, I think we, uh, no, I trust your reporting. I trust your reporting. Yeah. And I, I remember in the days of hotline, which cost $4,000 a year, it was in my contract when I agreed to do this show that they would get me a hotline subscription. All I needed was the facts to do the show. Now I have Punchbowl News, and you know I do my show prep on the night before and the morning of, but Punchbowl News rolls in about eight minutes before the show, and I can double-check everything again to see if I've missed something. That's actually what every person in America ought to be doing, is making sure that they're getting news from every angle and from every platform, left, right, and center. Well, I appreciate that, Hugh, and that's our, our goal is to just... Is to, to, is to report and write about the exercise of power, no matter who does it, how they do it, or why they do it. We're trying to explain that and not pass judgment on the policy, which infuriates both sides. But if I'm infuriating both sides, I guess I'm probably doing something right. It's the right way to go. And that reminds me of one of my all-time three favorite interviews out of 25,000 is when Willie Brown leaned in on the set of Life and Times PBS 20 years ago and said, sometimes, Hugh, I must admit, I just simply enjoy the raw exercise of power. Gosh, I wish Willie was in charge of the state. Jake Sherman, thank you, my friend. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.